What's going on, everybody? And welcome to a special edition Villanova basketball recap episode of the Did You Hear podcast, part of the Blue Wire Hustle podcast network. I'm Emma Houghton. He's Pat Zhang. And Pat, it was a hell of a run, but Villanova was just beaten by the number one seed in the South region, the Baylor Bears, 62 to 51 in the Sweet 16. Yeah, I'm really proud of this Villanova team. I think they exceeded expectations. They certainly exceeded my expectations in finishing with a Sweet 16 berth, uh, especially with the loss of Colin Gillespie. And there is absolutely no shame in losing to the Baylor Bears and this iteration of the Baylor Bears. They are a fantastic team. That's a great way to put it because it's what, I mean, it, it shows that you're a Villanova fan, right? When you're on the edge of your seat, mm-hmm. so upset when they lose. But the fact that Villanova played and stayed in this game for as long as they did. And we didn't see the number one seed version of Baylor until 30 minutes into this game is an incredible feat. And I don't think anybody could have expected it to be as close as it was. And Villanova, I think you could say dominated in that first half. Yeah, that first half left you looking, feeling pretty, feeling, hey, let's try that again. That first half left you feeling very pretty going into halftime. I think a lot yeah. of us assumed that Baylor was going to come out flying in the second half, just knowing how talented that Baylor Bears team. But the first half was great. And I, I think what it does though is kind of establish a baseline for this Villanova team moving forward. We'll talk about it a little more uh, in this episode or maybe in even another that I think this is going to be a new era of Villanova basketball that we're about to move into. But I, I think you feel Feel okay going forward. Yeah, I like that that stand. I think we should save it for the end when we talk about the future. That's all right with me. Yeah. So, I, well, first of all, two things. I have to apologize because I said with about eight to ten minutes left in the second half, imagine if Villanova actually wins. Kiss so and death. Kiss and I, death. I regretted it as soon as I said it. I apologize to everyone involved for jinxing the team, but. It really was just about waiting for the other shoe to drop for Baylor. That's what that's what the essence of this game was. And if Villanova had come away with the win, I think we could have spent literally 40 minutes dissecting every single piece of this game because it would have been such an amazing win. But because that didn't happen, I think we can pretty simply separate it into talking about how good Villanova was in the first half, talking about how good Scott Drew's halftime adjustments were, and then talking about how good Baylor was in the second half. So just start with the first half, how good Villanova worked, what was working, and what wasn't working for Baylor. For sure. So what Villanova really did is they exploited Baylor in the paint. Villanova was able to kind of drive at will and get a lot of their buckets in the paint. They only had three made threes in the first half, finished with only three made threes as well. So that gives you a little bit of <laughs> a look at the second half yeah. uh, as well. So I thought that was really, really impressive. And what Villanova did great was run Baylor off the three-point line in the first half. I mean, they talked about it on the broadcast. Baylor shoots over 40% from three. They are the best three-point shooting team in the country. And Villanova held them to two for 12 from beyond the arc in the first half. That is not an easy feat by any means necessary. And I, I think that is what you come away most impressed by in this game. Yeah, 100%. Like, literally the best three-point shooting team in the nation. Yeah, that's not an exaggeration. They are literally number one. (laughs) And all we've done all season long, I feel like, Pat, is critique Villanova's perimeter defense. Yeah. And they must have worked so hard this past week to try and clamp down those shooters, and that's exactly what they did. They controlled the paint. They contested – or they controlled the pace, sorry. Mm -hmm. They contested 
every single one of Baylor's shots. And what I was most proud of was how, again, we've talked about it in the past, with without Colin Gillespie, three-point shooting is no longer a strength for Villanova. Not at all. They have not shot well from three since Gillespie went down on March 3rd. They found ways to win, though. And in the first half, that was clicking because they got such good performances from Robinson Earl and Samuels in the post. We have been preaching it for weeks now. When you can feed those two guys, they made Mark Vital look silly. Yeah, and he's Vital's got really good. 40 pounds on Robinson Earl. So I was so unbelievably impressed by that performance. And of course, I'm waiting for Baylor to start hitting these shots because they're the the best, second best team in the nation probably for a reason. But for the fact that Villanova played that well, I really, even though everybody is extremely disappointed, I think Villanova fans can hold on to that. For sure. So I, I think Jermaine Samuels was incredible for, for Villanova in this game. I also believe that this is his last game as a Villanova Wildcat. Mm. I, do, I do not expect him to return. There is a chance, of course, with the COVID ruling that he could come back. I do not think he will come back. But if he goes out this way, I think Samuels put on basically the epitome of what Jermaine Samuels has developed into, which, again, is just another sign of what this Villanova program and what this culture is. I mean, think of the Jermaine Samuels that came into this program freshman year, the timid kid that couldn't hit a shot, that really didn't make an impact on the game. Then you fast forward to what could be his final game here against the number one seeded Baylor Bears, 16 points. Eight of eight from the free throw line. I'm not sure anything else encompasses his shift at Villanova as well as shooting 100% from the foul line in such a clutch game. Defense was fantastic, was able to grab a couple of offensive rebounds, drove to the hoop. I was so impressed with Samuels, and even in that, especially in that first half as well, he was a key reason why Nova went into the breakup seven. I don't even think Samuels is anywhere close to the player he was when he started this season, yeah, let alone he, wow. four years ago. I'm right? so I'm so impressed. I, listen, I harped on Samuels at the beginning of the season, and I think he deserved it when I did it as well. But the player that Samuels has turned into down the stretch here, I'm so impressed. He started taking advantage of his strengths, which are pump fakes and then <laughs> driving to the basket and getting people to jump every single time. He's yeah, a high, he high IQ player. Yeah, he really, really, really deserves props. And he was always Colin Gillespie's two, I feel like, the Mm -hmm. second senior on this team. And I think that's valid because of just how natural of a leader Colin is. But Samuels also deserves some credit for stepping up into this leadership role as the only playing senior on this team. Completely agree with you. I I want people to remember Jermaine Samuels at Villanova because he deserves it. He's earned it over his four years here. And And his tournament experience too, sorry. For for sure. And I I hope he comes back next year. I don't think he will, but uh, he would be a welcome addition back to give some wing depth. Yeah, I agree. So so Samuels finished with 16, more finished with 15. But Mm -hmm. I – let's transition to halftime now. And I think this is the single deciding factor of this game. We have talked a lot about how exceptional of a coach Jay Wright is and how you pretty much need only a few things to succeed in this tournament. A good coach and time to prepare. Hmm. And while I thought Baylor's Wright, got both as well. Yeah, I, I thought Jay Wright <laughs> might have the slight advantage in that category. I think what he was able to do to adjust in this second half proved that he did have the advantage. Baylor could not make a shot from three. I think they were two for 12, yep, from two three for 12. in the first half. Yep. They could not. They looked like a shell of themselves. 
and they absolutely turned things on in the second half. They shot one three-pointer. Or they made one they more They made one, they shot seven, yeah. Yeah, but even the fact that they did that, the nation's best three-point shooting team, they only mm-hmm. put up seven shots from behind the arc because they were so effective down low. So I'm sure I'll sum up Scott Drew's halftime um, <laughs> talk here. Get to the post, out-physical Villanova. That's exactly what they did. I was truly blown away by how good Baylor looked in the second half. And it's all just because Scott Drew is such a good coach. He knew that wasn't working. He knows that he still has six or seven unbelievable players to work with that have other strengths, and he used them. Yeah, for sure. So so looking at it first, as you said, Scott Drew is a fantastic coach for, for Baylor. And, and what I look at here was that, and it was it actually surprised me in the first half. I mean, what have we talked about all season long? Villanova struggles as an interior defense team. Right. And Baylor really didn't attack it too much in the first half. Well, coming out of halftime, they attacked it every time down. And it worked because what what really stands out to you when you watch this Baylor team, quickness and athleticism. Uh, they are so quick around the perimeter. I mean, you think of Butler and Mitchell with those drop steps to get around Justin Moore and, and all the other guards in the perimeter and get into the lane. It is so impressive how fast they are and how athletic they are and how strong of finishing they are. And that's what Baylor really, really exploited in the second half. And the other thing was that they did not let Jeremiah Robinson Earl do yes. anything in the second half. He finished with two points total in the second half. They totaled in on him as they should have, because as again, another thing we keyed in on for this tournament, if Villanova was going to make a run, Jeremiah had to be that dominant scoring presence. And he wasn't in this game because they didn't allow him. They would bring double teams. They, they made him take those mid range jumpers. Robinson Earl barely touched the ball in post up situations. And that was because Baylor didn't let him get there. So I, I was incredibly impressed by what I saw from Baylor coming out of the break and the adjustments that they made. Yeah, exactly. And and Robinson Earl was so dominant for five out of the six halves that mm-hmm. Villanova had in this tournament, right? And I have the reason why that happened is because of Flo Thamba. Yeah. His numbers do not pop off the page, and that's actually putting it nicely. He had four points, two for five from the field. He only had two rebounds, too. He completely eliminated he Robinson Earl. Him. Yeah, and that sure. is why Baylor won. I expected their guards to be that to be that good. Jared Butler is a first team All American, and Davion Mitchell yep. is a third team All American. Th- that's why I just I I hope that Villanova fans aren't absolutely crushed because this is what we expected from this game. And anything we got, any anywhere close that Villanova came was just more than anyone could have hoped because. Baylor is such an unbelievable team. And another thing that prevents teams from having success in the tournament, depth. Mm. And Villanova doesn't have it. And Brandon Slater had a career game, and then he had to leave the game early. So it just was it was a culmination of things for Villanova down the stretch, and Baylor was forcing them into playing poorly. Yeah, so I, I can go two ways on that. So first, starting on Baylor, I want to I want to focus on Davion Mitchell, who yeah, he was let, unbelievable. Let me spotlight him, and I do not say this lightly. He is the best defender Villanova has faced since Javon Carter in 2018, the West Virginia guard in the wow. the, the uh, Sweet 16 game. That is how, and Javon Carter was probably the best defender in all of college basketball. That is how good. 
Davion Mitchell is for on-ball and off-ball defense. It was incredible to watch him. He met Nova's guards, whether it was Archidiak. He was the reason why Chris Archidiakno only played 10 minutes in this game was because Mitchell hounded him, and Archidiakno was never able to get comfortable with the ball. Uh, he, he was there, you know, for a three quarter court press on Justin Moore the entire game. He got his hands in the passing lanes all the time, finished with two steals and a block that doesn't even begin to, <laughs> to, uh, talk about the, the impact that Mitchell truly had. I was just so, so impressed by that performance. And I do think that just the best defender Villanova has played in years. Yeah. And then you talk about the depth reason, you know, I kind of touched on, on Archie Diacono there. It, Jay just couldn't go to him in this situation because of how tough Baylor was. Uh, you know, Slater got the 22 minutes. Cole Swider, we, we've been impressed with what we saw the first two games. He was really poor in this game. You want to talk about Scott Drew again? Anytime Swider was in this game, Baylor whipped a pass right at him. Yeah. Cause, and cause same they, with, same with Arch. I think you could yeah, say the same thing for Arch. They knew that the quickness was just not going to be able to stack up there. So again, you go there with game planning, really impressed with Drew there. I actually think Eric Dixon held his own. I yeah, know he, he only finished with two points, but I, I w- finished with three blocks as well. So I thought he was a nice post presence down there. But again, what does this all re- revolve around what Villanova didn't get, uh, get enough of? They didn't have enough shot makers on this team. Mm-hmm. It's as simple as that. And that's why Baylor was able to really propel here. Yeah, they didn't have the offense to keep up. And if you had told me going into this game that Baylor's leading scorer would be Flagler yeah. off the bench with 16 points, if you had told me that Villanova's defense would limit first-team All-American Jared Butler to nine points one feel from, good, nine right? from beyond three, you would feel pretty good. It's that Villanova's defense couldn't get there, and that's just because Baylor, to put it simply – you, you texted this to me. Baylor is just better. Their guards are just better and the better team won tonight. I, I, yes, I, I think that if we want to oversimplify all of yeah. this that we're talking about, <laughs> and it's true though, Baylor's just straight up better than Villanova. And again, that's no shame. This Baylor team has been consistently the second best team in the country this year. That's also not a slight on them because Gonzaga is a borderline right. NBA team this year. Um, but we haven't even touched on the biggest thing of this game. And that is that Baylor had 13 more field goal attempts than Villanova. And you would say, wait, how did that happen? Especially the fact that they finished with the same amount of rebounds. Both teams finished with 31 rebounds. Well, it all comes down to turnovers. And Villanova was one of, if not the best turnover team or or holding onto the ball team in the country this year, averaged just over eight per game. They finished with double that in 16. And again, that is all on Baylor's defense and how swarming and aggressive it is and how it makes you make quick decisions, and how good Davion Mitchell was. Wow, that Baylor Bear defense is incredible. And I think it's easy to watch this game, especially at the beginning, because Villanova had a bunch of turnovers in the first few minutes, too, when Mm -hmm. it was just a really disorienting start, honestly. Baylor was good enough to force literally the best team in the nation at one point in limiting turnovers, to double their usual turnover total. That is just because Baylor put such pressure. And I will say that some of those turnovers were not acceptable. Some balls were just thrown out of bounds, and those ones weren't acceptable and frustrating to swallow. But some of them, it was Mitchell's stifling defense. It was Vital's presence in the post. It was their guard play just being so quick and stifling these guards at the top of the key. And it's just it's just because... 
they were able to go out there so quickly in the second half and limit any sort of momentum that Villanova had. And even if Villanova isn't known for creating a ton of turnovers, right? You definitely wouldn't mention that as a Mm -hmm. strength that the cats have, but the 22 to four point differential off of turnovers, you can't give Baylor extra chances. You can't give them extra possessions and that's what it turned into. And Villanova couldn't even buy a bucket at the end. I agree. Um, and I know we look to try not to be too negative when, when we're talking about it, and especially someone that I had unbelievably high hopes for, but it's just got to be said, Caleb Daniels was awful, mm-hmm. and awful in, in this game. And, and he was very poor basically since the COVID break. I think the first month of the season, it, we got a really nice boost from Daniels coming in. He played okay or even good in the first two games of, of this tournament. One for 11 from the field, one of six from beyond the arc, including some head-scratching shot selection, a team-high four turnovers. It was – it has to be spotlighted because it was that bad. And you know what? That's really disappointing because uh, Daniels is, as we've talked about this year, I think the team – his team loves him. I think he's a great energy guy. I came in with massive expectations from Tulane. I still think he can turn things around here next season. But the fact that Caleb Daniels took the second most field goal attempts on this team and made one of them, mm-hmm. that that it just can't happen. It, he he <laughs> he almost doubled Jermaine Samuel's field goal attempts, and he had four more attempts than Jeremiah Robinson Earl. I'm going to leave it there because I don't want to spend this whole time just railing on Caleb. But it was, I, and I it was agree. A tough performance. I agree. Yeah. I feel, I feel bad saying it because I know we don't want to be negative and I, yeah. I really like Caleb Daniels, the person. I can say that, but man, that was a brutal, brutal game and the worst time for it. It, it really, it was the worst time for it. Absolutely. And I think the, you can separate the two things. You could separate the poor shooting and you can separate the turnovers. Mm-hmm. And I think you can attribute the turnovers in part to how good Baylor's defense was, and, and the shot just wasn't there for the entirety of this game. And I also wanted to talk about in this second half, we, we've we mentioned it, but to be explicit, Baylor controlled the second half. Yes. They did not let Villanova into the driver's seat once, and they were able to do that by eliminating Robinson Earl. How many times did Jermaine Samuels drive in this second half? Yeah. Three? Good point. Two, they just, they forced Villanova to take shots. And in other situations earlier this season, that might have been okay. But in a, in a team now where the reality is just that you can't expect shots to fall from three, especially from over 25%. Obviously it was different in, in the North Texas game, but I think that, mm-hmm. that leads me into my last point, which is Villanova had to play an absolutely flawless game of basketball if they wanted to beat Baylor. And I think that flawless game came one game too early against North Texas. Yeah, I think that's fair. And you heard it on the broadcast as well, is that this tournament comes down to matchups for a lot of it. And, you know, put Villanova in another region where their Sweet 16 game is not against Baylor. And I think there's a chance you see Villanova get onto the Elite Eight. But getting matched up against this Baylor Bears team, it's how I let off the podcast, you know, it, it was a, it was always going to be a very tall order. Now, throughout the week, I began to talk myself more and more into, oh, if Villanova does this right and they find a way mm-hmm. to do this, they can squeak mm-hmm. one out. But I think we saw tonight 
how talented Baylor is. Yeah. And they're going to be so tough to beat. So, oh, so, so tough. Listen, I picked them to get in the title game. And the yeah. only reason they're not my national champion is, again, because of Gonzaga. Mm-hmm. So I, this team is fantastic. Um, I agree. But, I but, think I think Baylor Arkansas could be an incredible performance too. Oh, with how gritty those both of those teams play, yeah. that'd be great. Uh, the yeah. storyline would be fun if it's Oral Roberts against Baylor. <laughs> By the way, it's just a David versus Goliath. Yeah. But uh, for for actual matchup wise, Arkansas Baylor would be a great regional final. Yeah, and Baylor showed why are they why they are so impressive down the stretch. But I think we should end on a positive note before we look to the future a bit. Mm-hmm. Villanova. The Villanova Wildcats, sans Colin Gillespie, yep. held Baylor to their fewest point total in a half on the season. Great stop. 23 points in the first half. Let's think about that, and let's let Baylor and their greatness carry this narrative instead of focusing on Villanova's mistakes. We obviously have to talk about them. They obviously were a huge reason why Villanova lost their lead, but they played incredibly well in the first half. And I think that's why you can be excited as a Villanova fan. I think why this program can continue to have a lot of hope for the future. And that leads me, Pat, into my last question. Mm. Who will we see on this team next year? Will Jeremiah Robinson Earl, Colin Gillespie, and slash or Jermaine Samuels return? Interesting. So I guess let's start as a holistic approach and that starts okay. with coaching staff and that's Kyle Neptune is good point as yes. one of the front runners to get the Fordham job. Good point. Now there, I look at this two ways. One, go for it, Kyle. I think that would be amazing if he gets a head coaching job. He deserves it. He's been an, you know, one of the top assistant coaches in the country for a long time. I believe he was on the athletic 40 under 40 in college basketball rank. It would be great for him. But on another, on the other side of the coin, it would be a tough blow mm. for Villanova to lose, you know, Neptune, who's been around for a long time. So I think we start there and that's one of the bigger things that's going to happen with Villanova and probably coming up soon now that they're out. We'll, yeah. we'll see things accelerate. We already saw some head coaching spot vacancies. Be oh, we have. Right. I'm, I'm sure we'll probably talk about that on our on this week's iteration of the podcast because yeah. it's just too good to to pass up. But Shock that's a smart in at Marquette. Whew, God, I love it. Um, but but that's an important place to start is that coaching staff because we know how much coaching has to do, especially in, in college athletics. If you're going to ask me to go through those, <laughs> you're not going to like my answers. Okay. Um, I'll put it this way, Colin. I'm about. sure he's gone. Uh, just with the, it's an MCL tear, not an ACL tear. He should be fine to be able to do draft prep, especially with the draft being moved back a little bit this year. I think he's gone. Samuels, I say 60 40 gone, maybe even a little higher. Uh, yes, I I believe he's gone just as a senior. I'd be a little surprised if he goes back. And then on the flip side, Demir Cosby Roundtree, I'm almost positive he will be back next year, which will be great for Villanova to have some Mm. sort of senior leadership. I forgot about him. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah no. good, good ad there. As well as someone in the post. And Jeremiah Robinson, with the tournament he had, Big East Player of the Year, you know, minus this Baylor game, which wasn't great, though he did look good on the boards, I also think he goes as well. So I mm. think this is transitioning to a new year of Villanova basketball, which or a new era of Villanova basketball, which is why I think it was so important that the bench really stepped up in those first two games. Good point. Very well said. All right, so I'll I'll give my points here. I think the point of being an assistant coach is to be a head coach in the future. Yeah, right? exactly. Right. So if if 
if Kyle Neptune is the front runner for this position and he gets offered the job, I go for it. Envision a circumstance where he would turn it down and mm-hmm. it would, it would be a crushing blow, but it would be awesome so, for him. And he deserves so it. So well deserved. And, and assistant coaches across all sports are so much in the shadow. And I think Kyle Neptune deserves all, all of the credit, truly. This sure. entire coaching staff. Um, Demir Cosby Roundtree, I like the way you put that. I agree that I think he will return even if, well, actually, I don't know if a, if a red shirt would have been in effect this year, but just the fact that he didn't get to play. I mean, devastating injuries all season long. I think he comes back. I think Jermaine Samuels is also gone, if only because, you know, four-year player, I'm not sure what his NBA future looks like, and I feel like that might have gone into a year decision as well quickly. Yeah. yeah. And Colin, I was 75 to 85% sure wasn't going to come back. Until he did an interview recently, and he's really kind of playing with everybody. And it could very easily be a PR move, because he doesn't (laughs) owe us anything, and he doesn't need to tell us anything. Of course. So I had thought he had done pretty much everything that he could do at the college level, except having his last two postseasons ripped away from him, which is crushing. Crushing. But I I, kind of felt like he reached the peak of what a college basketball player can do, and he could run it back next year and try to win play, national player of the year. Mm-hmm. But I kind of felt like maybe it had closed on that, especially, yeah, it's an MCL injury, but it's still a significant injury that a player is recovering, recovering from. And that leads me to Jeremiah Robinson Earl. I think his tournament play ran him into an NBA draft pick. Ah, uh, we both agree. Yes, I, I think too. if he hadn't performed as well in these past two games, two and a half games maybe, as he did, I do not think he would have gone on to the to the NBA draft. And I think because he did do so well, he will move on. And you're right, it, it puts Villanova into an interesting position. They didn't have any recruits this year. They ran it back. Mm-hmm. All they lost in 2020 was Sadiq Bey, which was a significant piece, obviously. Could have used him as a shooter. <laughs> yeah, right? But they really, they had the core, they had the leadership, and now you're going to see a bunch of different guys stepping up into different roles next season, along with a couple new faces. And when Justin Moore and Jeremiah Robinson Earl came up as freshmen, I remember you and I were on, the, I think, the first call of the season, Pat. Yes, we were. LaSalle, right? Yep. Uh... Yeah. Army, Army, right? Army, yeah, Army. E- either. But um, I remember thinking, wow, this is the first time in, I think it was 15 plus years that, yep. that Jay Wright has started two, two freshmen. freshmen. And now they have such a dominant big man in Jeremiah Robinson Earl. When was the last time they had somebody that dominant? Maybe they can try and change their game plan so they don't have to rely on the shooting as much as they have in the past. So it's going mm-hmm. to be a lot of tinkering, seeing the type of strengths and weaknesses that you get from the new faces and the new recruits that are coming on in 2021. But I would be surprised if any of those three guys in Robinson, Earl, Gillespie, and or Samuels return. Yeah, I, I love how you put that. And I, I completely agree, especially with the size of Villanova's recruiting class coming in. I firmly expect that Gillespie and Samuels, Gillespie, Samuels, and Robinson Earl out. I think yeah. I'm completely with you. If Neptune gets offered the job, he is also out. 
So it'll be interesting to see where they replace there. I do think Cosby Roundtree comes back. And then just the spotlight on this recruiting class, Villanova currently has the third best recruiting class in the country. So yeah, let's, nothing let's to just be upset put that over. out there, <laughs> that that's coming in. And that's not even saying without Trevor Keels, who is yeah. a one of the top point guards in the country, is announcing his commitment on I'm going to get the date wrong. It's April 2nd or April 3rd. It's Close. it's next week, and it's it's most likely between Duke and Villanova. If Keels does commit to Villanova, there's a decent chance Nova hops into the number one recruiting class in the entire country. So uh, there is a foundation here for Villanova. We know Jay Wright is not jumping to the NBA this season mm-hmm. as well. So th- I, I, there are things to get excited about. As we said, I do think this is now a transition in eras for Villanova. With, uh, as I'm going to assume, Gillespie, Robinson, Earl, and Samuels out. We won't know that for sure for a little bit, but, uh, I, I think you gotta be happy with what you saw. And in the end, as it's how we both let off, I'm proud of this Villanova team get finishing in the Sweet 16. Yeah. And losing sucks. Yeah. Losing really sucks, but it was a tough draw against Baylor. Obviously, I think there was a lot to be proud of from this specific performance. And then on an even larger scale, there is so much to be proud of from this entire season. And the reason why Jay Wright could potentially have, at worst at this point, a top three best recruiting class in the nation is because each season since, I don't even know how far back you can hmm. go, 2013 maybe? Yeah, Was that Ryan Archie Diakono's first year? I believe so. 2012? 2013, Every single year has built upon itself. And Villanova is building and still in the process, but now very much towards the ceiling, building its reputation as one of the blue bloods in college basketball. And it's an even better blue blood than a Duke or a Kentucky or a North Carolina because this is going to be music to your ears, Pat. They don't rely on one and dones. And that is what makes a program successful and that is what Jay Wright has done over the past few years. You aren't seeing top recruiting classes from Villanova five seasons ago, not even three seasons ago. Mm-hmm. I honestly think it started with Robinson Earl and Brian Antoine, honestly. Yeah. And all of a sudden, the greatness that these players have shown on the court year after year for the last five plus years has culminated into a disappointing end to this current season but it's only going to continue to go up from here. No, for sure. Yeah. I, I would say Brunson and Spellman really started that era yeah, as, as yeah. five star recruits coming into Villanova. And now you're seeing it more and more often as more and more players across the country realize the foundation and the culture that's here at Villanova. And then you're a hundred percent right. J- just to get this clear, this was about Baylor winning. Villanova did not blow this game as hard mm-hmm. as it is to look at the 16 turnovers and the three main threes. That was, <laughs> it was a product of Baylor more than it was just Villanova not coming through. Exactly. And it's how, it's how good Baylor is. So I don't want anything to take away from that. And we move into the future and I think you got to be pretty excited going into, you know, the 21, 22 season. Yeah. They put up a hell of a fight. It was a really good game. And I think you are extremely excited about what this team's ceiling can be next year. 100%. Anything else you wanted to hit? I'm disappointed because we aren't, doing these recaps anymore i know this was a ton of fun i i loved being able to do these i mean man did i hate with a passion those 9 p.m tuesday night games yeah and the cbs (laughs) sports network games oh don't get me started on the cbs (laughs) sports network games but yeah yeah here we are now on march 27th wrapping up villanova season 
Um, I should have looked at when the first one we did. It was probably back in right around Thanksgiving. Yeah, I was gonna say November. So mm-hmm. I, I truly wanted to thank every single person who has tuned into one of these recap episodes. It was it was a lot of work having to figure out some of the scheduling. Definitely, but I think I, I speak for you as well, Pat. It was so much fun doing this, and we really appreciate as always all of the support. And if you're feeling the love, go ahead and head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. Let us know what you thought about all the recaps we did this Villanova season. Yeah, absolutely. And on that note, too, as a special thank you to Dana O'Neill, Jalal, oh, yeah. as well as Eugene for making to really helping out our college basketball you know, yep. uh, content in year one of this podcast. I think we could not be luckier with the quality of talent we were able to have on, on these shows, whether it be recaps or, or college basketball episodes as a whole. So uh, we're really excited to continue to bring this into the future. Well said, Pat. Thank you, everyone. (laughs) Thank you, everyone. So, all right, that'll do it for the Did You Hear podcast, Villanova edition. The Baylor Bears advance to the Elite Eight with a 62-51 win over the Villanova Wildcats. You can follow us on Spotify, subscribe to us on iTunes, and don't forget to leave a rating because that really helps us out. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Did You Hear Pod to let us know what you think. And otherwise, Emma, that's a wrap.